stupid fly. They ran into Jam Master J and he heard that shit. Cause it was a demo, like, I don't know, 10, 20, whatever, Iwood songs. And when he came across Dick and Moore, he's like, yo, this is the shit I'm talking about right here. Yo, give me 10 of these. Matter of fact, who's the nigga on the song with the deep voice? He's like, oh, that's my cousin. He just did that song with me. He ain't even in the group. He said, no, no, he's in the group or ain't no group. Here it comes. Here it comes. You're listening to Fresh Era, where we tell stories of the legends from the golden era of hip hop. Each episode, we bring you stories from the pioneers themselves as we dive deep into their lives, their struggles, and what it was like to be a part of the most popular form of music before it was mainstream. I'm your host, Craig Smith. There's a strange phenomenon that occurs when you listen to an artist and think, I wonder if they're like that in person. And when you get a chance to meet that artist, they let you down. Everyone's human. But these mythical figures we hear on these records seem otherworldly. Sometimes that's not who they are in real life, but sometimes they don't disappoint. That's the case today as we bring you the story of Sticky Fingers. He's a rapper, writer, actor, and personality that made himself a mainstay in our culture as a hardcore, abrasive lyricist, as a member of the platinum-selling rap group Onyx, his roles in films like Next Friday, starring as Blade, and my favorite, as a hard-to-beat character in the video game Def Jam Fight for New York. But Sticky Fingers' story in hip-hop is what you would expect. His rise to fame and success in pop culture wasn't something he saw coming, but when he saw it, he took no prisoners. Sticky Fingers was born Kirk Jones, but my mother calls me Sticky, sometimes Sticky Fingers. And he was born in 1973 at Kings County Hospital in Brooklyn, where he grew up. Sirens, cars, uh, you hear the winds, the, the, the leaves rustling in the wind. Right here, I, I, that's if you're outside, you might be inside, you hear television, whatever's on TV. My, first, my very first memory probably was just uh, me riding my bike. I remember like being by my body, riding my bike down the street, I'm like five years old, and then I seen the picture that was taken from like the third floor balcony looking at me. You know, I grew up in my mother's single household with just her, and then eventually my little sister. My mother used to work at Ford. You know, she was like on the assembly line or something like that. It's ill because it would be like nighttime when she would come home, right? And I'm in the crib and I could hear her car pull up. I, get, I kid you not, fucking 120 seconds later, she'd be walking in the house. In between school and time with his mom, you could find him all over the neighborhood with his friends. We used to run wild. We used to play manhunt all through the block, through the alleyways. We used to tear up Brooklyn College. I lived right around the corner from Brooklyn College. We used to make the security guards chase us. First of all, just your presence alone. When you're fucking whatever age I was, I forget, 9, 10, whatever, in Brooklyn College, while and out, you ain't supposed to be there. It's the college. You're a kid. You know, we used to go to the field. They had the sandbox. That's how I learned how to uh, do gymnastics and flip. We used to play um, tag on the, the bleachers. Underneath the bleachers, they got all the bars and the scaffolding and shit. We used to play tag through there. And I was, I was an expert jumping this ball, swinging, would never get caught. One time it's a bar that goes horizontal and I jump around, I run around the bench and somebody's hot on my tail. So I was, I'm like, all right, if I can make it to the bars, I'm out of here. So the horizontal bar is coming up, I'm running, I'm running. I duck to go under the bar, I'm going mad fast. I come up too quick. Bah! Head hit the, the bar, I'm laid out on the floor. All I see is my homeboy over the top of me, he goes, you it. Even with injuries and potential trouble, this time for Sticky Fingers was full of memories and lessons that would shape his future. Back at home, his mom was providing the soundtrack for his childhood. You know, the OJs and... She used to be my girl. Oh. The Donny 
Hathaways and all the oldies but goodies, the Al Greens, the James Browns. And then here comes hip hop. I was always the youngest dude in my crew, you know, so hip hop really started for me with Run DMC. KRS One. That was my beginning of hip hop, you know. First, I fell in love with it, you know, listening to it, uh, dancing to it. Yeah, and then I wanted to DJ. So I asked my mother, my mother for some turntables. I wanted the Technique 1200s with the swivel arm. She got me the ones with the straight arm. Don't matter, I still made it work. I was scratching. And all of this was just for the love of hip hop. He didn't think about it as an opportunity to start a career. He was just a kid who loved hip hop culture and music. But he had one more trick up his sleeve with hip hop that would set him on his journey. I, I used to be able to say everybody's rhyme better than they could say it. And I would know every person, their name, this, that, other. There was nothing I didn't know. I was a hip-hop historian. He also had an artist mindset that came in handy when approaching hip-hop. Like, be like, I used to go to art school. And one of the uh, attributes that make you an uh, artist is tracing. You know, you got the picture right there, put a thin sheet of white paper above it, and you start tracing it. After tracing is to not trace and to look at the picture and then copy it and draw it freehand, you know? And then the third stage is just to create your own picture with no picture to look at. You're looking at the picture inside your head. Or maybe you're looking at a real-life thing and then the imagination. So it's the same thing with music. You know, you might start saying somebody else's rhyme and get good, and get good at saying their rhyme, maybe even better than they said it. Then you start saying, you write your own rhymes and start saying oh. And before people called them sticky fingers. They called me tropical because I had all the flavors. And they would just call me trop for short. You know what I mean? At that time, around when he became a teenager, he was showing off his love for the culture. We used to perform at the lunchroom, beating on the, on the tables in the lunchroom and rhyming. We used to go to clubs and battle niggas on the line and get in the club. So that's a performance, too. So, you know, I've been performing ever since people have been looking. As he grew up and became more independent, he started to spend more time around his older cousin, his future partner in Onyx and fellow hip-hop legend, Fredro Starr. So, yeah, I used to see him every so often, but I would see him the older I got, the more I would see him because I would travel. I'd have to go through Franklin Avenue Shuttle to get to Queens. Everybody in Brooklyn know about the Franklin Avenue Shuttle. It was a great place to get robbed if you were flashy. You know what I mean? I used to have fly gear like sheepskins. All the fly gear I couldn't wear around Fredro's way because I had to go through the Franklin Avenue Shuttle to get there. And I'm like 13, 14 with a, with a brand new sheepskin with leather on it. Like... Nigga, you, you coming off that instantly, so. So he would see Fredro in Queens making a name for himself as a barber at New Tribe Barbershop. And at the same time, when he was at home in Brooklyn, he was running the streets with his crew, a polo-boosting group called the Low Lowlifes. DSAP Lowlife, what up? They would grab polo fits, among other things, to be the flyest in the hood. But that came with danger and the potential to derail young Sticky Fingers' potential. On top of that, it was just dangerous raising a family in Brooklyn at the time. His mom saw this and made a decision. After living in Brooklyn, my mother decided to move us to Atlanta for a year. She thought it would be better out there, so we went to Atlanta. But Atlanta was no fucking better than New York. Niggas robbed our crib out there too, grimy. So we ended up moving back to New York, you know what I mean? 
That's when I really started hanging out with Fredjo. You know what I mean? I would go to the barber shop. I would, you know, I would watch him cut and everything. You know, he was a hood celebrity because he was a barber. Everybody in the neighborhood knew him. He was getting mad money. So Sticky saw his chance to make some legit money. I was like, fuck that. I want to cut hair too. And he had an idea. Fredjo was the illest barber. I knew at that time, talking about doing Timberland signs of people here, polo signs, Egyptian pyramids, everything. It was crazy, like uh, twists and face. He was nice. He used to cut everybody here, rock him. This is the point when life began to change for Sticky Fingers. I took his barbershop book, because he was living in Queens, I was living in Brooklyn. Went to Brooklyn, to the barbershop, and said, yo, these are my haircuts. I did these. Give me a job. They looked at the book. They looked at me. He said, you did these cuts? Hell yeah, you got a job. Where your clippers at? I thought I was busted, because I ain't had no clippers. They, I ain't got no clippers. They, don't worry about it, we get you some clippers. So I had to call Fredjo and Waterbed, Waterbed Reg, that was Fredjo's boy, find out what clippers to get. Boom, so they gave me a job in Brooklyn. Listen, do you know I'd never cut a hair in my fucking life? Not even my own. So here I am, I got this barbershop job, and Lo and behold, I never messed up nobody's hair. I took to it like, like a fish to water. I was a natural. Plus, I used to go to art school, so I just got a natural knack for that shit. So I just picked it up. It's like sculpting to me. And I never fucked up nobody hair. But that's some hustling shit. Never cut nobody hair, take that book, go get a job, boo bang. He was a hip-hop aficionado, a teenage hustler, an artist at design school, and now a barber. All of this was leading him somewhere even he couldn't predict. He was about to become a neighborhood icon and a cultural legend, not to mention a Hollywood star. But not before having to make some changes in his life that could have been catastrophic for his future. When we come back, the world meets Sticky Fingers and the legendary hip-hop group Onyx. Hey, this is Sun Dobe from Funk Dobies. Thanks for tuning in to Fresh Era. Did you know that these guys over at Stupidfly are doing this strictly out of the love for 90s hip-hop culture? If you like what you hear, please do me a favor. Go to stupid-fly.com and pick up some merch to show your support. Then follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Stupidfly Media. Thank you for supporting our community of Golden Era Gladiators. Now head over to stupid-fly.com. <laughs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Sticky Fingers at this point in his young life had already discovered who he was and grew up pretty independent. He was already cutting hair at a barbershop in Brooklyn when he was still in high school and going deeper into his hobbies as a DJ and rapper. All of this was going on in Brooklyn and Queens with his cousin Fredro. That wasn't something he was willing to give up. 
especially when his mother decided to move their family across state lines to New Jersey. Young Sticky Fingers, who was still going by Tropical, wasn't having it. He wanted to leave and do his own thing. I went to school in Manhattan, was cutting hair in Brooklyn, and hung out in Queens. So far, West Bubblefuck Jersey, where she moved to, didn't fit in my plans. And every time I would try to come home, I would miss the bus. Have to take an expensive that cab because the bus will stop at a certain time. So I was like, you know what? I'm just leaving. And she wouldn't let me leave. So I was like, you know what? You let me leave. And we have a great relationship. Oh, I'm going to run away. You never going to see me again. With that, he moved out with his mother's blessing. He took his gear, his talent, and his new gig. And I went to the barbershop that Fredo was working at in Queens called New Tribe. It was a big shop on Jamaica Avenue. In that new tribe, Sticky's cousin Fredro Starr's rap career was already in full effect. Fredro's group, which included Big DS and Sonny Caesar, who you hear referred to as Sun C, was active. They were serious. They were called Onyx. Sticky got to Queens and saw what was going on, but... I wasn't trying to be a rapper. I was working in a barbershop. I used to cut school to cut hair. You know, I was just rapping, and I was nice, but I was just content with just cutting hair, making that money and going to school and fucking these hoes. But the more he hung out with Onyx, the more impact they had on each other. For Sticky, at the time known as Tropical, Onyx contributed a name change. See, Tropical, I gave myself that name. Sticky Fingers, they gave me that name. I don't know why they want to call me Sticky Fingers. Sun C gave me that name. I don't know why I'm an honest motherfucker. <laughs> Fredro, Sun C, and Big DS, they were actively looking for record deals. They had a record deal, a profile, a single deal. A song called, Ah, We Do It Like This. You know what I mean? And um, I love this song. I love the beat. Red Alert played it. But apparently he only played like the beat or some shit. He said he ain't like the vocals. That's what he told Fredro. We should beat his ass. Nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Made us go harder. But, you know, they were currently shopping for a new deal. That's when Onyx ran into one of the godfathers of modern hip-hop, the incomparable. J-A-Y, all the letters of his name. Jam Master J. Jam Master J. In Jones Beach, you know, it was like bumper to bumper traffic. So you couldn't go nowhere. They look over, put it to the left, and Jay's right there in the van. They go, oh, shit, what up, Jay? Ooh, yo, you want to smoke? So they got in the van with Jay, rolled up a blunt, was rapping, da-da-da-da, exchanged numbers, and then, you know, went about their way. And then, like, a year later, they kept in contact. And in that time, Jam Master Jay had started to put out his own artist under his label, JMJ Records. And then um, what happened was two of the members of Onyx got stranded out of state, you know, Sun C and Big DS while they were shopping to deal with Jam Master Jay. And their manager, Jeff Harris, at the time was like, yo, Jay said he wants to hear more songs. Son, see him, but yes, it's straining somewhere. We don't want to lose this opportunity. Fredro, you and um, you and you and your cousin, Sticky, go to the studio, make something. So we went to the studio, we made this song called Stick and Move. Stick and Move, Stick and Move. And that's the song that fucking piqued Jay's interest, you know? He heard that shit, because it was a demo, like, I don't know, 10, 20, whatever, Iwood songs. And when he came across Stick and Move, he's like, yo, this is the shit I'm talking about right here. Yo, give me 10 of these. Matter of fact, who's the nigga on the song with the deep voice? He's like, oh, that's my cousin. He just did that song with me. He ain't even in the group. He said, no, no, he's in a group or ain't no group. And just like that, Sticky Fingers was a member of a rap group with a record deal. Yeah, it was like 91. And I actually signed a deal illegally because I was 17 years old. 
So I signed as a minor because what had happened was I ran away from home when I was 15. What happens next is um, we jumped into the whirlwind. They jumped straight into recording and performing shows with JMJ Records. And there was a learning curve. Their first gig... It was like Boston somewhere. Uh, Jam Master J set up a, a show on like some rec center. It was me, me Onyx, you know. And um, that was like our first show. We was dissing the audience. Like, fuck y'all. And Jay was like, oh, what y'all doing? You got to have the audience on your side, not dissing them and shit. We was like, oh, all right, well, you know. They were receiving an elite hip-hop education under the tutelage of one of hip-hop's biggest icons in Jam Master J. This was another level of activity on top of everything he was already doing. And being able to leave home afforded him this opportunity. But this wasn't the only education he signed up for. When he left his mother's house, she agreed under one condition. See, her her one thing was, all right, cool. You want to run away? You want to leave? Cool. You think you're a man? Go do your thing. Only one condition I have is finish school. So I said, all right, bet. I'm a man of my word. So I finished school. But what happened was I had to go to summer school, right? But then I got kicked out of summer school for missing too many days for short attendance. So I was like, fuck. So what I did was Onyx's manager, Jeff Harris, I said, oh, you, Jeff, that's what you got to do. You got to come to my school with me and you got to act like you my father. Because they trying to kick me out of summer school and I'm not I'm trying to go to school a whole nother year. So Jeff Harris came to my school with me, act like he was my pops, got me back in summer school. So I graduated summer school and I did what I told my mother I was going to do. You know, hustler comedy and shit, you know what I mean? Listen, my very first uh, job I had where I'd get a paycheck, per se, was at McDonald's. I was 14 years old, okay? You had to be 16 to work at McDonald's. My mother showed me how to forge my birth certificate, you know? So I forged my birth certificate, made myself 16, and I was working at McDonald's at 14. Nigga that take no for an answer, get told no. I mean, yeah, I've been told no, but it was more like, no, no! This had taken him where he wanted to go. And as rap became his mission, he had one goal. The only thing I wanted was this. I just wanted to be the illest. You know what I mean? I ain't give a fuck about being rich or the money. I didn't give a fuck about being famous. Da, 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 da. I just want the body, everybody, everything moving. And he was going to need this mindset because this was their first and potentially their only shot at making it big. Right, we got the deal with Jam Master Jay. They didn't give us an album deal. They gave us a single deal for one song. And we did that song, Throw Your Guns. I went, we want y'all to throw your guns in the air. Throw your guns in the air. I ain't telling you to shoot nobody. I'm telling you, you get energized. So when you throw your guns in the air, you puck, 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 puck. And they was loving it. It was killing shit, you know? So they said, you know what? Let's get these guys an EP deal. An EP is half an album. Six songs type shit. So it went from a single deal to a half an album EP deal. And they were making their mark with Jam Master J and JMJ Records. They recorded the tracks created by their friend and DJ, Shy Skills. Yo, kick it with my DJ about the beast, my man Shy Skills. Word up, word up. We got the crazy, fat, fat, underground, crazy, stupid tracks. We're going to bust your head. And they recorded more hard-hitting songs like Bitch Ass Niggas. Motherfuckers, the onyx is here. My name is Sticky Fingers, I'm the nigga in your nightmare. Forget the proud kids. I live off fears, it's the beast in me. 
Then we did those songs. Hey, yo, this just is insane. Fuck it, give them the album deal. So it started from a single deal to an EP deal to an LP deal. And that's how the shit was made. And then Slam was the last song that we created on that monstrosity. Monstrosity is right. The song Slam was a banger. But wait, before we get there, we need to take a break. When we come back, Onyx goes to the stratosphere with their second single, Slam, in their debut album. Then, the fights, the fame, they traveled the world, and Sticky Fingers literally decides to throw his gun in the air on stage at an awards show. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Little Giants, Giant Shorties. I've got a few kids living in my house and I can tell you, their energy is something you can't suppress. When it comes to expressing themselves, you've got to let them shine. They are the culture, so why not let them dress like them? Shopping WeAreLittleGiants.com gives you access to plenty of options for styling your little shorty with the same authenticity you reserve for yourself. Find t-shirts, hoodies, shoes, onesies, and much more. Honestly, you'll be jealous they don't have your size. WeAreLittleGiants.com has the Designs that speak to the love we've had for hip-hop since we were kids ourselves. You'll be passing along your passion for the culture when you see your little giant rocking this most definitely t-shirt I'm about to cop for my son. Or this notorious RBG hoodie for my daughter. Slide through. Literally slide down the spiral slide and land in their flagship store ball pit at 4675 Hollywood Boulevard. Peace. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back. It's 1992 and Sticky Fingers has gone from low life, art student, and barber to a record deal, rapping with his cousin's rap group, Onyx. He joined the group late, but he was the edgy, aggressive energy they needed. But my ancestors was brave, and most of them real strong, hard, black, sweaty slaves working in the fields for 100 years later. I learned about my roots, and now they traded in their white sheets. Now they got blue suits. Joining his cousin Fredro Starr and rappers Big DS and Sonny Caesar made sense because he had the charisma, the attitude, and the same intensity. That's why Onyx, you gotta be hard. Black people gotta be hard and strong nowadays. Word That's why up. our logo is the mad face. You know what I'm saying? Because as an endangered species, ain't nothing to be happy about nowadays. And Onyx, with this unique perspective and style was ready to make their mark with the backing of Jam Master J. We from the desert, you know what I'm saying? And Jam Master J, who's our executive producer, he from the desert, you know what I'm saying? He's representing in Hollis, we representing in Jamaica, you know what I'm saying? 
Even with everything starting to pop, they were still grinding. It was looking like they would be successful, but that doesn't mean the work stopped. Throw Your Guns was out. It was on the radio. We was working in a barbershop, and Throw Your Guns came on the radio. We started going crazy, but we had to still get back to cutting hair because we wasn't making no money from the shit yet, you know what I mean? But just because Onyx wasn't making money from the single and the EP doesn't mean no one was making money. Insert bitch-ass bootleggers. We leaving a meeting at Def Jam. We going somewhere. We all in the minivan. Just back when we had the, you know, the car budgets. We driving down a block. And it's a bootleg table. I think they're playing our shit, right? They got a radio and they're playing his shit. Fredo jumps out the car first, right? He looks, he looks. He sees our tape right there in the bootleg. So he takes the whole table and flips this shit over, right? So the African bootleg nigga, he coming after Fredo. But he don't see me. So I grab him right by his neck and pow, slam him up to the wall. What the fuck are you doing, right? He's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, right? So I let him go. And we we trying to jump in the truck, right? And get out of here. Our job is done. Oh, I, I think we, you know, crushing on the cassettes. And I think it wasn't even CDs at that point. It was just cassettes. We crushing on it, just breaking it. Then we get in the truck and about to pull off. The dude, one of the dudes, one of the other African dudes picks up like a chair or something and busted the back window of the fucking truck. So I'm like, ah, fuck. So now we ain't going nowhere. You know, then police show up, right? So they arrest everybody, right? So we all in the precinct. They African, we niggas. <laughs> so they like, anybody want to press charges? So we all drop the charges. Because at the end of the day, we all niggas, right? But here's the fucking kicker. Do you know that the motherfucking police gave these niggas all of the bootleg CDs back? I'm like, but that's my shit. That's bootleg. That's why we in this predicament in the first place. They were in demand from their first single, Throw Your Guns, which received heavy support at radio, TV, and with bootleggers far and wide. This allowed them to hit the ground with force when they released their debut album. The name of our album is called Back the F*** Up. You heard them. Back the Fuck Up. It was released in March of 1993 and received rave reviews from every music publication that featured it. And the record label was like, yo, we need another single that's just as energetic as Throw Your Guns, but maybe a little bit more radio-friendly. So we went to the studio. Just like they say, um, in seven days, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, in seven days, Onyx created the rhythm and the verse. It was intentional. We found a beat for Slam. Shy Skills had taken the bass line from Rich Kind of Poverty by Sam and Dave. Times have been bad. And they verbally interpolated a song called The Champ by the Mohawks. Went to this chorus, that chorus. We went in there intentional, you know, no, no accidental murderers, intentional murderers to make slam. As a matter of fact, no slam. Hat. That's the name of our new. That's the name of our second single. Slam was a game changer. It caught fire when it dropped, reaching number four on Billboard Hot 100 and propelling the album to platinum status, selling over a million copies by August of that same year. Slam also introduced hip-hop culture to another way to party. Onyx was known to be hardcore on the record, but in concert, they were just as rugged and aggressive. How did they get the crowd involved? We did have a bottle-throwing contest with the audience. <laughs> you know, been so went crazy and... 
you know, there's somebody I used to start throwing bottles, so we start throwing bottles back, and it was a bottle throwing contest. They also adopted moshing. You know, mosh pits, pushing and shoving, throwing elbows, crowd surfing. Onyx called it slam dancing, and it became a staple at their shows. A bit of history on moshing. I always associated it with white kids I grew up around who repressed their anger and let it out at hardcore rock shows and technon concerts. But the practice and the term traced back to a Jamaican jazz fusion turned pioneering rock band out of D.C. called Bad Brain. They used the term mash to describe the aggressive dancing during their shows, but the lead singer's Jamaican accent turned mash to mosh. Anyway. Actually, I didn't even like Slam that much because I was on that dark, fucking hard, miserable shit. You know what I mean? And Slam was kind of bright and a little bit more radio-friendly, per se. But it still had that energy. So it wasn't my favorite song. But I knew Slam was going to go. And it's, it's not just Slam. It's everything... That, that encompassed us. We had a whole flip city, a whole our own universe. Everything, even the word that uh, the, the title of the album, "Back the Fuck Up." We spelled it the way we spelled it. Everything we wrote, we spelled in our own spelling. We all had the bald heads, the camouflage. We was godfathered in by Jam Master J, the slam dancing, the screaming. Onyx, our logo. We got the illest logo in the game. Everything was a whole thing around us. Niggas go to the barbershop and be like, yo, let me get an Onyx. We changed the face of hip-hop, of music, of everything. At that point in time, we would come, nigga, when we would leave the crib to go to a show, it's like a hundred of us. We took like 20 cars, and we used to travel. Everybody got their hazards on, so nobody get lost. 20 cars, each, every seat filled up. We used to go to clubs so deep, like, we turned New York City, the whole East Coast, the whole world upside down, my nigga. And Sticky Fingers was starting to understand his influence at scale. We were performing, it was like, the, I forget what tour it was, we were in New York. From Hollis, Queens, on the JMJ label, y'all, Onyx. And we performed. I said, yo, all the bitch-ass niggas, get the fuck out of here, all the go to the back. Get the fuck up. And all the live niggas to the middle. All the live niggas come to the front of the stage. And I seen the whole crowd move. I said, oh shit, did I do that? That shit scared the shit out of me for a second because I didn't know I had that power. Then I had to get back to track because now it's time to perform. They were seeing their impact everywhere, on the road in places as far as Japan and Russia to their hometown of New York City. As the hype around the album continued and Onyx kept working, the group was changing. In 1994, Onyx and group member Big DS decided to part ways. He's a founder of Onyx. He started Onyx. Him and Fredjo started fucking Onyx. You know what I'm saying? So we we an army, man. We troops. We don't leave nobody behind. All right? If he ain't, if his game ain't A1, we're going to try to carry him for as long as possible. You know what I mean? Without getting ourselves killed. So that's what we was doing. Like, you know, you do the intro, you do the outro, whatever. Like, you know, get in where you fit in. Like, you know? I think he lost the ability to know what was ill and what was not ill because he used to be one of the illest niggas, world talk. And then he was, you know, something happened. And that's that's why he um bowed out the group. While all of this was happening, another opportunity to shake up the culture arrived in the form of a rock group called Biohazard. Yeah, and I ain't like, we ain't like that shit either. I ain't want to do no rock shit. I just wanted to keep it all the way hood. But Leo Cohen insisted that we meet with Biohazard, and we met with Biohazard, and they were some cool-ass motherfuckers. They was like the white Onyx type shit. The idea was to collaborate with Biohazard on a remix to Onyx hit song Slam. 
and they did. That might have made us go double platinum. And it was a great idea to, to do a slam remix with them. And then we went on to do the Judgment Night soundtrack with them. Judgment Night. You coming? Hip hop and rock and roll, the whole entire soundtrack, you know. And we said, yeah, matter of fact, we're going to name our song Judgment Night. We, we, we taking the lead track. And we just bullied and both got that shit. We did the ill video with that shit. That shit was crazy. As time progressed, so did Onyx. They were hardcore, bald-headed, no-nonsense rappers, but Sticky was finding himself in places like the Ricky Lake Show. Today, we've been talking to fans who want to meet their all-time favorite music stars. Meet Shanira. She says she is so hooked on the sounds and sights of Onyx that she even dreams about them at night. And in 94, he found himself on a movie set. Spike Lee's movie called Clockers. I play scientific, you know? I always heard these horror stories about Spike Lee. Like, oh my God, he's fucking insane to work with it. Spike Lee was, it was incredible working for Spike Lee. He called me a thespian. A thespian? I had to go look it up. They won a Soul Train Music Award and made it to the first ever Source Awards. But things didn't go according to plan. We got nominated for like 10 awards and shit. And they give us not one award. You know what I'm saying? I was feeling a certain kind of way. And uh, when they hit the stage to perform their song, Throw Your Guns, Sticky Fingers did just that. This next piece of audio is exactly what you think it is. There are no added sound effects. Listen, I don't think it even happened. I think it was a figment of everybody's imagination. So yeah, that happened. Now, while he was honing his skills as an actor, the group was still working. We grew. You know, we bought our own equipment. We bought SP-1200s and Akai 900s and Akai 950s, and we started making our own beats and shit, you know what I mean? And then we started drifting apart a little bit from JMJ, you know, business-wise. And, you know, and we were on tour for a long fucking time. That's why it took a long time for the next album to come. We doing shows, doing shows. We were, wasn't in the studio. So finally, when we got in the studio and we got in our zone, Last Days was born. These the last day. The song Last Days was released in 1995, just ahead of Onyx's sophomore album, All We Got Is Us. It was released in the fall and immediately saw success, debuting at number 22 on the U.S. Billboard Top 200 and number two on the top R&B hip-hop chart. Like it or not, Onyx was here to stay, and Sticky Fingers was headed to the moon. In the years since the release of All We Got Is Us, Onyx released nine more studio albums, and Sticky Fingers has had a monumental acting career, with roles in over 40 films and upwards of 30 TV shows, including The Vampire Slayer, Blade. All of this, and to this day, he's never sold out or become someone else. Our songs is... Throw your guns and bitch-ass niggas and me and Jack, the black vagina fine and sucked in the next nigga dick and you know what I mean? So we ain't crossed over shit. People crossed over to us. It get came to us. You know, you go our shows, man. We it's, Some of our shows, we the only black dudes in the whole fucking building. Some people come to me like, yo, man, sticky, yo, man. 
Yo, Onyx, yo, y'all raised me, man. You helped me get through this time. You helped me through my bed, this, that, and the other. That shit hit a chord in me because that's some real shit. And I can see what they mean by, you know, if I come across another artist, I might have did the same for me. That's just the illest shit in the world to me, you know? is a stupid fly production written and edited by me Craig Smith and polished by the one and only DJ Cheap Shot Chris Barnett is simply that guy music by the math club Sean Berman is our mix engineer be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts follow this show on Instagram at Fresh Era Podcast and check out our website stupid-fly.com where you can find a host of stupid fly merchandise thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of Fresh Era <laughs>